بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمدی رسولی الکریم اما بر الحمد للہ ٹونائٹ از دا ٹوینٹی ففتھ آف سپٹمبر So firstly, with regards to one's parents, our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, kindness to parents is more meritorious than salah, fasting, pilgrimage, and jihad. <laughs> kindness to parents is more meritorious than salah, fasting, pilgrimage, and jihad. This is recorded in Tabarani, Abu Ya'la, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya volume 2, page 248 in the chapter on social living and mingling. So this narration one should seriously reflect on. So what do I mean by that? Is it not true that when one serves one's parents, it takes up a great portion of one's time, thus making it more difficult or even impossible to perform various other most rewarding deeds, i.e. such as the ones mentioned in the hadith. Thus is not one then losing out. The answer is a most categorical no. For the Almighty and Glorious gives the dutiful son or daughter even more reward. Subhanallah. So this is the wisdom of the hadith. People narrate the hadith, don't reflect upon it. So if you ask some brothers, have you heard of a report mentioning that kindness to parents is better than salat, fasting, pilgrimage and jihad. I believe most people have heard similar reports to that nature. Because why did the Prophet say that? So then it goes because to serve your parents is a great need. Because mashallah, who gave that commentary? And the response is because when you are serving your aged parents, it affects other acts of worship. Maybe you're fond of salat. But because of serving your parents, it's affecting your salat. Maybe you're fond of optional fasting. Because you're serving your parents, you can't fast. Maybe you're fond of going to the Umrah or the Hajj. Of course, impossible if you're serving your parents. And then of course, Jihad. So the Prophet said, it's more meritorious. Meaning, don't you dare think you've lost out by serving your parents. But unfortunately, people think that because they haven't got knowledge. They think I'm losing out. I'm not losing out on nothing. And this is why the famous Uwais al-Karni, did he lose out by not coming to Rasulullah? Mm-hmm. Look how amazing that statement is. Could there be anybody more great to visit than Rasulullah? <laughs> there can't be anybody more great. And did he lose out? The Prophet said no. <coughs> Because his serving his mother has prevented him from reaching me. He is the most noble, he is the greatest of the Tabi'in. Now think about that. Why did the Prophet say that? Because if you look at the Tabi'in's worship, it blows you away. Praying all night, fasting, you know, most of their lives, etc., etc. But they're not greater than Uwais al-Karni. Why did the Prophet say that? Because he couldn't do those deeds because he's serving his mother. In fact, he didn't even get the rank of a Sahaba. So the Prophet said, he's the greatest. There's a secret that he's the greatest of the Tabi'in. The great Uwais al-Karni, rahmatullah. And then the Prophet told 
sallallahu alayhi wasallam, if you see him, give him my cloak. And his cloak was passed on by Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu <coughs> Our beloved mother Sayyida Aisha radiyallahu she related, the two men who were the kindest to their mothers are Uthman ibn Affan and Haditha ibn Nu'man radiyallahu As for Uthman radiyallahu he has not been able to look at his mother since the day he embraced Islam. Whilst as for Haditha ibn Nu'man radiyallahu he would delouse his mother's hair and fed her with his own hand. In addition, if his mother told him to do something and he did not understand what she said, he would never ask her to repeat herself. Rather, he would exit to complete the task and then ask those around him of what his mother had said. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani rahmatullahi in his Al-Isaba, page 209 of the New English Translation. So who knows the Shariat better than our mother? Sayyidah Aisha. The Prophet said, learn a portion of your deen from the Humaydah, the beautiful red complexion lady in Imam Ahmad's Musnad. So she said, these were the two men, they were the kindest to their mothers, meaning they were on the pinnacle. And you would have expected her to mention her father. She didn't mention her father. She goes, one was Uthman, the third khalif, and the other was Haritha ibn Nu'man. And all she said about Uthman was this. Ever since he embraced Islam, he couldn't look at his mother. So he'd be in his presence and he'd be just doing this, looking at the floor and saying, Mother, is there anything? And she was talking, he wouldn't look at her face. That, why? Because this is your servitude to your mother. And then she mentioned a few things about Haditha. What did he mention about Haditha? He would clean his mother's hair. So if she had any lice, he would make sure they were, they were clean. And he would feed her with his hand, meaning she must have been very aged. And because her mother was aged, his mother was aged, when she spoke, sometimes he didn't understand. And you get that, because you know sometimes when the aged talk, you don't really get what they're saying. So for instance, after they've had a stroke, their speech goes blurry. He never once asked her to repeat herself. He'd go outside and then he'd say to some, please just find out what my mother wanted me to do. Now, why did Aisha mention that? Because these were the most noblest to their mothers. So now let's mention Uthman's mother. Uthman ibn Affan's mother, was Sayyida Arwa. So what do we know about her? She was the first cousin of Rasulullah. Think about that. You know, Bole Bali Musulman. How was Uthman related to the Prophet? His mother was the first cousin of Rasulullah. So let's break that down even further. So Arwa, the mother of Uthman, her mother was Baida. Baida was the daughter of Abdul Muttalib. Have you understood? So, Arwa, her maternal grandfather was Abdul Muttalib. And of course, you can work out where Rasulullah is from there. So, Rasulullah and Arwa, they were cousins, first cousins. Arwa's mother, Baida, and Rasulullah's father, they were brothers and sisters. Bohali Bali Muslim, because the only one who was really closely related to Rasulullah was Ali. 
And there you go. You know, they're, they're, they're feeding you lies. Uthman's mother was the first cousin of Rasulullah. Not only this, it is worth mentioning Arwa's mother, Baida. She was the twin sister of Abdullah. Think about that. Can you get a closer sibling than a twin? Who was Abdullah, Rasulullah's father? How do twins come into existence? You know, you know that the egg splits, right? But they're very, very close to each other. So who was the twin sister of Abdullah? Again, Bali Bali Musliman, twin sister. Did she have a twin sister? Did he have a twin sister? Who was he? And you mentioned the name, Al-Baydah. And then a guy goes, brother, you have to, who's, who's Al-Baydah? Uthman's grandmother. Then a guy goes, Uthman, the third Khalif's grandmother, was the twin sister of Abdullah. Yes. So what does that tell you about Uthman? With regards to Uthman's mother, Sayyida Arwa, Hafiz ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, volume 8, page 161 of the English translation in the chapter on the Qureshi women, their allies, their clients and foreign women. He said, Sayyida Arwa bint Qurez, she embraced Islam and she migrated to Al-Madinah after her daughter, Sayyida Umm Kulthum bint Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt, gave allegiance to Rasulullah. So we have to explain. So when did Uthman's mother embrace Islam? She embraced Islam before she went to meet Rasulullah in Medina, meaning that she embraced Islam with her family. When she migrated, when did she migrate? She migrated after her daughter, who was her daughter? Umm Kulthum bint Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ith. So how is, who is this woman? She is the half-sister of Uthman. She is the full sister of Walid ibn Uqba. Mm. So all of these three souls shared the same mother. Uthman ibn Affan, Umm Kulthum bint Uqba and Walid ibn Uqba. Mm. So Uthman's mother, she came after her daughter migrated and she gave allegiance to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa She remained in Al-Madinah until she eventually passed away during the Khalifat of no other than her noble son, Uthman ibn Affan. Mm. So she lived on into extreme old age. Sayyida Arwa bint Qures, the first cousin of Rasulullah. So now, another touching report. In Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, volume 8, page 161 to 2 of the English translation, in the chapter on the Qureshi women, their allies, their clients, and foreign women, Abdullah ibn Hanzalah, he said, We were there when the mother of Uthman ibn Affan passed away. We buried her in Al-Baqi. I heard Uthman later say in prostration, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have mercy upon my mother. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive my mother. This was during his khalifat. Subhanallah. So Uthman, he is in his 80s and his mother passes away. Meaning he had a, most of his life he spent with his mother, which is, you know, uh, an honor. But when she passed away, he was devastated. And he was making dua for the mercy of his mother and the forgiveness of his mother in sujood. Why in sujood? Because you're closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Similarly, Isa ibn Talha, rahmatullahi, he said, I saw Uthman ibn Affan, radiyallahu, carrying the bed of his mother between the two pillars from the house of Ghotesh until he put her down at the place of the funeral press. 
after she was buried i saw him standing at her grave making supplications for her mm. this is in ibn sa'd in his tabaqat volume 8 page 162 of the english translation in the chapter on the quraishi women their allies their clients and foreign women so even though he was an aged man he carried his mother mm. and he made a dua standing at her grave now what's one of the sunnats of uthman he'd weep at the grave mm. he'd always weep and when people questioned him in tibmati he goes this is the first station of the of the next life if you're successful here you're successful if you fail he goes you're in trouble so what's interesting he doesn't mention he wept here but of course he must have been weeping so he made a dua he carried her he made dua for her at her grave he lowered her body made dua and then he was making dua in sujood for his mother the amir al-mu'minin was honored to have served his venerable mother just shy of eight decades Thus how touching a scene it must have been for the venerable khalif that his venerable mother the noble first cousin of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had left the troubles of this mortal world in her early 90s may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with her and her majestic son and forgive us all for their venerable sake amen so what did sayyida aisha simply say the two men who were the kindest to their mothers are uthman ibn affan and haritha ibn nu'man So we mentioned a little bit about Uthman's mother. Now the other companion that Aisha praised. With regards to Haritha ibn Nu'man, our beloved messenger said sallallahu alaihi wasallam, I entered paradise and I heard a beautiful recital. I asked who is this? I was informed Haritha ibn Nu'man radhiyallahu. The prophet there upon said sallallahu alaihi wasallam This is the effect of Bir. He is the kindest of people to his mother. <laughs> This is the effect of Bir. He is the kindest of people to his mother. This is recorded in Ahmad in his Musnad number 22951 with the Sahih chain of transmission and Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalari in Al-Isab. So let's look at this. So the Prophet entered paradise meaning either it was on the Mihraj or it was a dream. Either way is a reality. and he heard a recital and he didn't see who it was that's interesting but he wanted to know when he was told it was haritha ibn nu'man what's the question that goes to your mind immediately why was he given the honor <laughs> and the prophet preempted it he gave you the answer before anybody asked he goes this is the effect of bir he goes he showed so much loyalty to his mother he goes he is the kindest of people to his mother meaning he goes He has a he has an extra degree of affection. Allah Taala has honored him. Subhanallah, such was his status that Haritha ibn Nu'man himself said, "Radiyallahu." I passed by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam while someone was sitting with him, so I gave them the greetings of peace. When I returned, Rasulullah then said to me later, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Hal ra'ayt al-ladhi qana ma'i? Did you see the one with me?" Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I said yes ya rasulullah why do you ask sallallahu alaihi wasallam he sallallahu alaihi wasallam said fa innahu jibril wa qad radda alayka salam that was jibril alayhi salatu wasalam he returned the salam to you <laughs> this is in ahmad in his musnad number 22565 hafiz ibn hajar asqalani in al isab now listen look at look how interesting he saw jibril he didn't realize it was jibril <laughs> He gave the salam he didn't hear the return of the salam that's interesting so he saw jibril but he didn't hear his return of the salam so sometimes you see the angels you don't hear them 
other times you hear them, you don't see them. And in our case, we don't get anything. Right? We don't see him, we don't hear them. So when he returned, the Prophet said, Did you, he goes, Did you see the one with me? Now, why did he ask that question? Because 90% of the times they couldn't see Jibreel. But when he gave the salam, the Prophet got the impression, it looks like you saw somebody. He goes, Yes. He goes, It was Jibreel. He returned the salam to you. He goes, Wa alaykum salam, wa harith. He goes, I have to give you the salam because you didn't hear it. On another occasion, Haritha did not give the salam. In Ahmad in his Musnad, number 15,627, Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani in Ali Isab, he said, Jibreel thereupon said, If he would have given the salam, we would have returned it to him. The Prophet thereupon asked, Do you know him, O Jibreel? Jibreel said, Indeed we know him. He is from the 80 men who persevered on the day of Hunin. Their provision and the provision of their children is in paradise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is another occasion. Why is it another occasion? Because he didn't give salam. <laughs> that previous report he gave the salam. So this time he saw Jibreel. For some reason he didn't give the salam. Maybe he thought the Prophet was busy. So Jibreel then said to the Prophet If he had given the salam, we would have returned it. <laughs> so the Prophet then asked, he goes, do you know him, Jibreel? And look what he said. He goes, yes. He is from the 80 men who persevered on the day of Hunain. What was Jibreel referring to? When the ambush took place at Hunain, there was 10,000, 12,000 uh, companions. Only 100 remained firm. Or 80. Jibreel said, he's one of them. <laughs> Meaning... We kept a note of him. And the provision and the provision of their children is in paradise. Meaning not only is he going to paradise, his children, we know, we know his children as well. They're guaranteed paradise. Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani set up this great man. Sayyidina Haritha ibn Nu'man fought in the battle of Badr. He fought in Uhud. He fought in Khandaq. Other battles along with Rasulullah he lived until the Khalifa of Muawiyah and passed away after losing his eyesight. <laughs> this is recorded by Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani rahmatullahi in his Al-Isaba, page 208-9 of the New English Translation. So his CV, forget it brother. He's on the top of the pile. He's a Badri, he fought in Uhud Khandaq. He lived a long life. Khalifa, he loses his eyesight as well. That's another guarantee of paradise. So why have I mentioned all that? Reflect. Reflect. Despite being an eminent companion, despite seeing Jibreel on a few occasions, despite being an elite Badri, despite being a formidable Mujahid, despite living into his old age, despite losing his eyesight, None of that was mentioned by Rasulullah <laughs> when he heard his recital in paradise. Simply his service to his mother. Simply his service to his mother. And also, he was alive. <laughs> when you hear that report, I heard and Harithas, you know, and you get this impression, oh, he must have passed away. No, he's still in you know, Zwan, still young. He, he passed away. In, so he actually heard that. And my voice in paradise. Is it because I'm serving my mother? 
So what does that tell you about saving your mother in particular? You know, people don't know what you know what planet they're on. Oh, I can't do it. It's too much effort. Then you go, are you Muslim? And he goes, yeah. Why are you saying it's too much effort? Well, I can't get on with my life. It just takes too much of my life up. And there you go, brother. You're talking like an atheist. The response to that is, you're getting more now than you'll ever get. When you lose your mother, then you should be grieving. Now you're thinking I can't make up for it, no matter what I do. You're in now, you're on maximum wage. But do we think like that? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with him and his noble mother and forgive us all for their venerable sake. Amen. So Lord, Aisha, our mother, didn't go into details. She simply said the two men who were the kindest to their mothers was Uthman ibn Affan and Haritha ibn Nu'man. And what's interesting, she mentioned Uthman first. So even though Haritha had an immense rank, Aisha goes, Uthman comes first. Then she goes, Haritha. And obviously Uthman, we might know a little bit, but Haritha, I'll tell you straight, I don't even know, you don't know who Badri is. You don't know who saw Jibreel, you know, you know he was unbelievable. But he's one of the greatest companions and he became blind. If that wasn't enough, honor given to him. Allah Ta'ala promises that those who become blind with Iman, I find it very difficult to punish. And if they are patient, paradise is this. So he crowned his life up with losing his sight. But he's in paradise. And so are his children, you know, because the Jibreel mentioned it. So all I mentioned today was now talking about the immense rights of one's parents. And the simple lesson today is that you cannot catch up to the virtue of the one who serves his mother. He's on another level or she's on another level. And the tragedy now is, even though there's so many children, they actually consider it a burden to look after, look after their mother. Because yeah, the youngster, the young son will look after him. It's like, the way you're talking, it's like a burden. So you basically said, give the young son Firdos. I'll scrap you out with scraps. Is that what you're saying? If you had any knowledge, you'll think, I'm a minute. You'll be drawing lots. No chance. We're drawing lots. And then you'll find out, and you'll be grieving if you don't get the opportunity. Is I'll take it like that. It just makes you laugh and stuff for Allah. You can all come down and find holidays. Bank holidays. You know, the, the old people's home, <coughs> one of the elders there, she's she looking really forward to uh, Christmas. And they asked him, why you look forward to Christmas? Because my son, my son visits me. <coughs> Think about that. My son doesn't visit her all year, but on Christmas he pops in, shows his face. Right? But that also shows that the mother's love is something else. No, we're to hell with him. We're still, you know, she wanted that connection. So note again, if you've got your parents, you should value them. Unfortunately, we don't hear anything. All they say is the hawk. After Allah Tanani right? Give me some incentive. You know, it's not easy to serve your parents. You know, they want everything to do it. And they're irritated very quickly as well. You know, as you might just walk in, Gali starts. Didn't even say anything. But if you want for those, you're going to have to take it. Just do what Osman does, put his head down. Okay, no problem. Come back later. Right? You know, you walk in, ah, I've never got anything from you, you're good for nothing, get out, you're not my son. Walk out, come back four hours later, there's nobody like you, son. This is the same person. This is your parents. And the other thing which is interesting, whenever they curse you, they follow it up with a dua. 
You'll notice that. Dwell with him. May you burn in the lowest hellfire. Then you start crying. Ah, ah. Then you start making dua. Ya Allah, no, no. You take him, put him in paradise. And, that, and that's just to like kind of wake you up. But unfortunately, you know, wake up. And the only thing you should never ask your parents is, do you need anything? They're never going to ask you what they need. You should preempt it. I've got the shopping mother. I've put the bins out. You know, I've, I've sorted the car out. Everything's sorted. But is there anything else that I've missed? That's how you talk to you. No, mum, what do you want? Nothing, son. Right? Next minute, you know, what is he going to say to you? Because out of love, she doesn't want you to do anything. Right? You know, I've got a bunch of roses on Baskar. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? سبحان الله بحمده وبارك الله فيه بحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك اللهم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل الانسان في خص الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات والصبر الحق والصبر الصبر صدق الله